Welcome to another episode of the iRacers Download on the Speed Sport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. I'm your host, Taylor Burris. Alongside me is Justin Prince and also our producer, Wayne Owens, Twisting the Dials. Justin, we have a very special guest as we decide to take off onto the world of dirt racing and the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Championship that you had the privilege of commentating on this past Monday. But it was none other than former late model series champion Blake Majulis joining us here on the iRacers Download. Yes, indeed. And it was a successful night for him right from the get-go. Quick from qualifying, quick in his heat, quick in the feature race. And essentially dominated the entire season opening event at Volusia, which has been a track historically dominated by some of the top drivers in sprint cars. Alex Bergeron, James Edens. You also throw in a Tim Ryan victory in there. It is a prestigious list of drivers to be a part of. Let's now bring in Blake, in fact, because to start things off, I remember from your post-race interview, you didn't feel too much confidence entering that night. Now that you've had some time to reflect and think about things, how would you describe how that night went for you? And in turn, how things just started to click in the sprint car for your first race as a pro in that car? Yeah, for sure. Uh, You know, just kind of looking into the night, like I said, you know, that night just uh, didn't have much experience going into the night at all. You know, barely made the qualifying series. I think we were one of the last five spots to make it in. So, uh, you know, my confidence just wasn't there. Um, I I wasn't quite sure if my speed was there either that night. But, um, you know, as you said, after that night, looking back on it, I just I don't think there was any better way to, you know, execute the night rather than, um, you know, qualifying on top getting the pole for the feature and, uh, you know, leading all 35 laps. Uh, usually it doesn't come that easily, you know, and for it to be in sprint cars, is just, it, it's just a huge surprise to me. Um, but, uh, you know, now that we're a couple of days in, it's, uh, it's settled in and whatnot, but, uh, you know, I got that out of the way. I just kind of want to focus on the next nine weeks now and, and, and make sure, you know, that first week wasn't a fluke or anything and, uh, just keep our heads straight and keep the good runs coming. And it's interesting the progression back on four because, of course, you won the World of Outlaws Lake Model Championship on iRacing back in 2019. Roller Coaster 2020, let's put it that way. But now the bounce back like this, how would you describe the past year, especially with the World Championships on dirt side focusing primary sprint cars since the 2020-21 season? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, this is it feels good to be back into a series like this. You know, they didn't have a hopefully they'll have another late model one um, uh, pro series that is. But, uh, you know, this this is what we have for now. So it was kind of not really an option for me. I'm just, uh, you know, I wanted with the money that's on the line, I wanted to definitely run, obviously. But, um, you know, with the late models not being there, this is kind of the only shot I have to, you know, show what I have and whatever I'm able to do off. But, uh, you know, as far as that goes, I'm obviously glad I'm, I'm a part of it now. And, uh, you know, hope, hopefully can just keep these good runs up. You know, I've never ran these things until this year uh, on this new tire build we had a couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, t- like I said, just to jump right in and, and, and do as good as I have, uh, I'm impressed um, with what I found so far. And I think uh, if I keep putting the laps and time and uh, it, the runs will keep coming. But, um, 
you know, since 2019 there with the, the late model championships, uh, I had a, a lot going on for me, obviously with 2020 and, um, you know, some other big late model races, uh, was able to pick up a lot on the way after 2019. Um, we got the $5,000 spring fling this year and, um, you know, just overall a lot of success in the late models and, um, you know, pretty much all the fender cars for that matter. But uh, to come into the to the wing stuff in the sprint car, it's just a whole new world for me. So, um, you know, looking forward to finishing the season out for sure. Blake, one of the questions I want to ask you, you know, with your experience with the dirt late models, what do you have to say be the biggest difference with switching between the two different styles of dirt racing but from late models to sprint cars? Yeah, very good question. Uh, you, there's just a lot, you know, they both race cars work way differently. Um, you know, you got a wing on a sprint car, the arrow is way different. You're going to have a lot more downforce on the car, a lot more speed to carry through. You know, you weigh a lot less in a late model. So, you know, right there, you're just, you're going to be a lot quicker in a sprint car. And obviously in both cars, you want to keep them straight as possible, you know, to create the most straight line speed you can. But, um, you know, the driving aspect, they're just way different, you know, in many different ways, really. Uh, you know, you're put in different situations in different cars. You got a lot more room in a sprint car. You're able to uh, get out, you know, clean air is big in sprint cars. Late models, it's not as big, but uh, that's one thing I've noticed is, you know, having the lead in a sprint car is way more important than it is in a late model. Uh, late models, it's usually the opposite. You want to be running like second, third, and kind of see what the leader's doing, and you're able to play around and mess with lines. Um, I feel like sprint cars, it just you, you, with that clean air, you're you're a lot more at at, at an advantage rather than a late model, uh, where you'd rather be running second and just kind of try your stuff and and run run different lines and see where you're comfortable at, and then try and make a move. But uh, you know. From here on out, I think, uh, you know, it's just going to be about qualifying and starting up front in the feature. Like I said, the clean air is just so important. I think uh, it, whoever's going to be on the pole is going to be pretty hard to pass. And um, that's just not like the late models uh, are. So, um, yeah, they're just they're just totally different, really, and um, in, in many different ways and aspects. Well, let's take a step back in time with you, Blake. What made you want to get involved with iRacing? Well, we always want to ask that to all of our guests of how they got involved what made them want to go for these world championships and compete and be as well as they have competed through their career? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think it was, I think dirt was released in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and right around that time that it came out, uh, you know, I was big into dirt. I grew up at the dirt track, you know, going with my dad, my grandpa, you know, my little brother and, um, you know, love it to death, grew around late models, um, all, all my life. So, you know, to see iRace and I was really interested and just started watching videos when it first came out. And then I watched the first pro series and late models go by. And then I, uh, I bought a computer and, uh, it was just a little laptop. Um, you know, didn't, didn't plan on taking it very seriously and just had some fun with it, was having a great time. And then, uh, you know, started getting pretty competitive and, won a couple races and then you know next thing I know I'm running in the 2019 Pro Series so everything just kind of went together pretty quick but uh you know it was nothing more than just to have fun and now it's uh it's turned into a a pretty big deal for me in my life uh, I've had a lot go on within the simulator so um you know it's a pretty cool deal to be a part of one of the things we also want to learn more about with our with our special guests that we have here is the progress that we've seen 
with iRacing. You mentioned, you know, you came on board as soon as just about a year after Dirt was released. How have you feel that iRacing has done with progressing to continue to incorporate more Dirt-related progress as well as also the physics when it comes to driving on Dirt? Because it's so different driving on a Dirt track compared to any asphalt, road, or oval because the surface is always constantly changing and even more so due to the fact of it being dirt. Uh, could you explain a little bit about how you feel from your driving as well as working hard to fine tune your late models or sprint cars to be able to showcase the importance as well as the technology that iRacing has done with the dirt racing? Yeah, for sure. It's a, another g- great question. As you said, um, you know, building setups is even hard because you just don't know what kind of surface you're going to get. And that's just kind of what dirt racing is about. Uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I love it. But um, you know, starting in the beginning in 2017 or so, you know, I just remember it coming out, uh, you know, the surface was, it was pretty simple. It was just dirt and, um, the dynamics weren't really too crazy yet. Obviously, um, they have a lot of learning to do with, with the tracks and whatnot, but when it first came out, it was much different than it is now. I mean, now we have a, you know, a cushion, uh, implemented into the game so you know before a couple years ago we didn't have a cushion it was just a, a dirt track essentially so now you know to that aspect you have a cushion that's going to add more speed to the to the top line and um you know we didn't have that before so that that's obviously a big jump right there and then um you know they they do differences on these tracks every so often and um they definitely wear a lot different almost every build so they're always uh they're always keeping us guessing on what the tracks are going to be like um but you know like i said that's kind of what makes dirt racing and makes it so entertaining uh in my eyes at least but uh you know since day one to now the dynamics of the racing has uh increase phenomenally it's pretty crazy what they've been able to create uh you know just in the years past from now and uh it's pretty cool to have like a pro series like we have now and have 35 of the best drivers in the world compete and you know to the point you just never know what the track's going to give that night so uh you know that's what makes these championship series really cool and uh you know just always on your feet you mentioned touching on a bit of the setup building it was over the past year or so that you also in turn started your own setup shop in turn with Evan C. How did that come to be to decide, okay, it's time for us to join what was back in that part of 2020, a very hectic market of multiple different teams and groups joining the setup scene? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the setup shop stuff, a lot of people have opinions on that and whatnot. Um, you know, I really wasn't too into it at first um but you know after seeing what it was and, and kind of what was out there i figured you know why why wouldn't i do this you know people always want the best help you know under or anything i mean it's pretty simple to know that you know people are going to go where the success is and and where the business will be essentially you know wh- what what setup shop is going to be the best so pe- people are always going to go to to the best and um you know, me and Evan, we were on a tear for like, man, a year and a half or so, I'd say now in the late model scene. And it's just been such a great success, you know, of runs that we've had. It's just been crazy. And it, I thought it was just kind of stupid not to get together anymore. You know, I, I was on my own for a while. Uh, after 2020 there, I was just doing my own thing. And then me and Evan decided to have this setup shop deal. And it was a very great decision. And, uh, 
Chris Ferguson also hopped on board and, and he's helping us promote it all. And, uh, it's just been a great run at it so far. We've got uh, all the dirt stuff on there we're selling and, you know, hopefully we'll expand one day, but, uh, you know, for now we'll just focus on our roots and, and help people where we can. Um, but, uh, a lot of my business comes from the coaching aspect. A lot of people want the coaching one-on-one and, and see where they can create more speed and get a little bit better here and there. And, um, you know, I really appreciate everybody I've had come through so far, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely been something to grow through in iRace and it's been uh, a big part of the dirt scene now. Uh, there's a, a ton of setup shops really, but, um, you know, in, 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 at the end of the day, it really comes down to, uh, you know, really only two or three serious setup shops that, uh, really have taken over dirt, um, maybe even less, honestly. So, uh, you know, it's it's pretty interesting to see how it's grown over the years, but, uh, you know, we'll keep going at it. Well, Blake, as we come to a close on this interview, where can people go to learn more about your career in iRacing as well as your setup shops that way if they want to learn more about that and get involved? Yeah, I appreciate that very much, actually. Um, CFMEsports.com is where the setups are. Uh, MajulaSaySpeedShop.com. Um, we got all our setups on there, some merchandise, whatever. Um, some coaching as well. Um, that's all on the website. Uh, as far as uh, checking on updates and whatnot, uh, I have a Facebook page, um, 127 Industries on Facebook, and uh, also Majula Say Speed Shop on Facebook. We do our updates on there. And uh, yeah, that's that's where you check that out. And uh, I appreciate for having me on here. And uh, it was very good to talk. It certainly was. He was the winner at the season opener at Volusia. He's looking to see if he can take home a sprint car championship. It's Blake Majulis here on the iRacers Download, presented by Speedsport and Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Welcome back to the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network, presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media. Justin Prince, Taylor Burrs with your producer, Wayne Owens, after what was a interesting conversation with the winner of the season opener for the iRacing World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars World Championship season, Blake Majulis. Majulis led every single lap as mentioned throughout that respective race, with Alex Bergeron, Cameron Merriman rounding out the top three. Kendall Tucker and Braden Eiler also started off strong with the top five finishes for their respective groupings. An intriguing start to the campaign, Taylor, and it was going to be curious to see how things play out with so many newcomers. How about half the field were new drivers for the series to start off the campaign? Here's the thing, though. Many of the newcomers struggled to break through to the top 10. In fact, just two of the top 10 were new to the series. It just shows you, Justin, the talent pool that this championship has, but also the importance of consistency and experience. I mean, when you're talking about just the top five alone or the top four alone, you have former winners and former champions involved. And it's going to be interesting to see how these newcomers are going to be able to go toe-to-toe with some of the biggest names in dirt racing on iRacing. I mean, Alex Bergeron, multiple-time champion in the world of the World of Outlaws iRacing series, and now also a rallycross competitor who just wrapped up his season with a rallycross season. So he is an all-around driver who knows what to do when it comes to racing on the dirt. And Blake Majulis, as you said, 
2019 World of Outlaws Late Model Series champion. Cameron Merriman, we've seen him time and time again just pull off amazing racing through many other of smaller leagues, but big money series as well. And that's a great point to bring up with both Bergeron and Merriman because I spoke with Bergeron before that race, before the action began to start off the season, and had mentioned the importance of making sure on doing things right. And keep in mind, with IRX, that takes a lot of resources away from World of Outlaws to be able to focus on that mark. So it's similar to keep in mind what he had done in 2016-17-ish, where he was not only in the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series, but also its Grand Prix Series at the time with several different organizations. I'm curious how he fares out in the second week of the season, especially with him focused essentially now on one world championship. But I'm also curious how Merriman performs because he talked about with that momentum you're referring to, how with the changes to the sprint cars, a lot of that went away and also having to recover for several weeks from a major injury that kept him out of the rig from about September. So in our words, there's going to be a lot to prove for next week when those drivers get back to racing for a couple straight weeks of tight confine action certainly is. Well, we're not off to the Florida Keys next week. We're heading over, though, to Kokomo for the next round, and it's going to be very interesting to see. Sorry, had to get a musical reference in for that one because it is Kokomo Speedway, but a track that provides a lot of excitement, a lot of different angles that these drivers can go into thinking about how to either get into the feature race as well as take home the checkered flag. What do you think some of these drivers, Justin, are going to need to focus on when trying to master a track such as Kokomo? Well, when it comes to mastering the track in particular, it's figuring out which lines work best. Is it a cushion circuit where you want to be up towards the top, especially when the track slickens up and works a lot of fair bits of rubber in? Or do you want to try and be a bottom feeder and try and go the shortest distance around? And will that in turn give you enough of a pull off the corner exit to be able to still complete a move to the point where the drivers in the middle to top are not able to bounce back? So it's a big balancing act. But the big thing to keep in mind, too, is getting qualifying up to speed. Blake Majewis mentioned the need for some clean air. The qualifying as well was expected to be even tighter this season in that appeared to be the case to start off the season looking at the exact qualifying times in fact how about this top 14 one tenth of a second separation it's going to be like that all season if not tighter taylor so the pressure is going to be on to get the execution right not just race trim but in q trim around the circuit it's going to be interesting to see of course catch the action next monday night at 8 45 justin prince will be on the call for that but as we go and continue the world of dirt racing, well, it's time to go a little high-flying action as the iRacing Rallycross World Championship presented by Yokohama just concluded their season over at Charlotte Motor Speedway with the rally circuit there. John Robertson collects the season finale championship with two wins, four poles, eight top fives, and nine top tens. And this is what really won him the championship, I would have to think, Justin. Average start, second. Average finish, second place. An absolutely dominating position, but 
he had to hold off a very hard-charging set esports driver of Johnny Alakainen, who was all over him all season long. Point separation was 201 to 195, so six points separated them at the end of the season. It was very tight. Let's put it that way amongst those competitors. And remember, Robertson at one point had a massive lead, double-digit points. That just evaporated entering the final couple weeks of the season. But with John Robertson finally getting a little bit of consistency back, keeping himself out of major trouble, and in turn, being able to depend on that average finish in turn, really, I think, helped him out. Keep in mind that you only had more top fives in the end of the season. But it was in part the four poles as well with that track position that really set the stage for Robertson to score great points, especially in the early stage of the season. It's a big time race and a big time championship for him to say the very least. The downside, though, if you're Subaru Motorsports USA, they didn't win the team title. They lost to set esports to that mark by about 50 points, 40 points. Check that. They certainly did. So in a sense, set esports. Still lost out on the Drivers' Championship, but was able to just absolutely dominate it in the team standings. Five wins, two poles, an average finish of third. A great drive for Set Esports. What, though, as we come to a conclusion of this championship, Justin, which teams were you surprised of how they finished out the season, and which teams were kind of a disappointment as they came on board? In terms of surprises, that's a difficult question because a lot of the higher-up drivers and teams, they finished well. Vicente Salas for Elliott Salary Esports, for example, was expected to do well. Kevin Ellis Jr. with Rahal Letterman Lanigan, expected to do well. Subaru is Subaru. Set is set. But in terms of more so the surprises, I'm surprised a little bit about the Jim Beaver Esports drivers. Bergeron, we mentioned, was a part of that grouping. They ended up finishing 16th and 17th respectively and just did not look up to speed fully where they combined for three top 10s the whole season. That didn't look pretty to say the very least. I was also surprised a little bit about some of the Logic G Altus Esports performances. Luis Nunez, know he had a lot of expectations, didn't make it to the top 10 cutoff in turn like I think he was expecting to. Counter that to his teammate Bo Albert. Bo Albert was like a pinball for some of those races. He certainly was, as he was definitely one driver who was expecting at least top 10 finishes and making it into the finals for each time talking to him outside of racing and unfortunately was just not able to put the runs together. One for me, of course, even though, yes, Thomas Wagner and Sindra Silva may not have the best of season, Team Yokohama. It's interesting to see that Team Yokohama could not maybe select the best drivers to put on. But, of course, when you have teams such as Subaru Motorsports, USA, or Set Esports, or even Ray Hall, Lanigan, Letterman Racing, or even Elliott Sadler Esports wanting drivers to come work for them, you kind of don't want to turn those opportunities down, especially with the publicity that they have. Exactly. It allows a great opportunity to be able to work with the biggest brands in all of real world motorsports with their esports efforts. We'll say when it comes to the only salary esports side, remember Salas and Maine's technical side wise were teammates on that mark until midway through the respective rallycross season. Curious how that's going to play out in the future and if that connection, for example, stays together. But for a lot of these groups, I can see them lasting for a decent amount of time as long as the teams want them there and the drivers are happy. I can see a lot of the partnerships like the robertson Hart grouping being there for a long time in the series. As we go and continue this point then, Justin, looking at Martin Van Lusenort, he did not have 
the most finishes. And so for Peter Berryman, it was consistency that helped him win this championship. Especially with the 10 top 10s. He and Hart were the only two drivers to do that this season, where they were able to keep their consistency and make it around the racetrack cleanly. For Van Lusnord, though, despite all the victories, despite the speed all season, the real dagger was just the crashes the past couple weeks or so. He recovered well for a decent finish in round eight, came back and basically put his own destiny up for grabs for the finale after winning at Suzuka. But here's the thing. When you make contact with your championship rival in the middle of the race and end up losing all momentum and ground to be able to try and be that driver after essentially being in control of the championship lead for about half, if not two thirds of that race. You just think of what could have been. Let me put it this way. There was a lot of frustration after that run and could tell as well. If you listen to how things fared out post race, there was a lot of disappointment from Van Lusnord. And I don't blame him for the way he performed this season, winning more than half the races and you don't win the championship. That is unbelievable. It certainly is, Justin, and it's a very sad thing. I know Martin was always excited when we had him on the show about his wins, his victories, and how he was able to dominate when he competed and raced. So, But unfortunately, he will have to try again. But this is my question, Justin, for us to discuss briefly on before we go to our final topic and close. With the, pos- with the soon arrival of a 2022 Formula One car, coming to iRacing, would we see the possibility, maybe not this season, season two of the Force Dynamic Delara iRacing Grand Prix World Championship, but do we possibly see the Mercedes 2022 Formula One car be the new open wheel world championship car that will be utilized after probably one more season with the Delora? That is a difficult question for me to answer because there's a lot I have to be careful on that. I will say for one, but for two, there's a lot that could happen in the span of about a year. I'll keep it that simple, Taylor, because let's put it this way. Anything could happen between now and the next time you see an open wheel world championship. Certainly is. Of course, we talked about it before. It was probably one of the biggest surprises on iRacing when they announced the arrival of two Mercedes Formula One cars here to the iRacing service in the future. But on that note, we have to also make sure we talk about the E-NASCAR Road to Pro Contender Series. They were at the Auto Club Speedway this past week. And it was, of course, Space Station Gaming's Donovan Strauss who took home the checkered flag at Auto Club. Justin, Auto Club and the NASCAR Xfinity cars always put on a stellar performance race. But, of course, Donovan was able to take home the victory. Thoughts on that? He just had the perfect car. He is crew chief for that race. Lloyd Hogan and his spotter JD Laird just played that race perfectly where they didn't qualify the greatest, but it was from what I heard throughout the race and from what that car looked like it was able to do. That car was in the space where it didn't matter if it was plowing off the corner. It had so much drive off in terms of speed that it was not even a problem. As soon as that car got into clean air, it was going to be a challenge and a half to try and beat Donovan Strauss. And ever since the horrific start to the season, he's bounced back big to be able to perform really well the past couple weeks. He's essentially showing why he's one of the most improved drivers, if not one of the most mature drivers who has gone from a lot of discussions from 2019 to being one of the top young prospects 
in all of eNASCAR and all of iRacing. Keep in mind, too, second, third, fourth, and fifth had some great races. Blake Reynolds kept it calm, cool, and collected. Finished second place throughout that entire run, was looking fast towards the end. Femi Olon, he nearly accomplished what his crew of Graham Bolin and Steven Wilson had been telling him. Don't get excited until you finish in second. He came one spot short of that in his initial starting position, but had to come back from the mid-pack at one point after falling to the edge, if not just about outside the top 10. Alan Bowes, quick from the get-go. Garrett Lowe showed the raw pace of that car that was similar to Donovan Strauss's to where he quietly snuck away with the top five. It was an impressive race, to say the very least, at Auto Club Speedway, but for some, I will say, they're going to be looking back in the, and screaming into the abyss, like a Blake McCandless or a, an Ashton Crowder, where they cannot afford a bad run and they got a horrific run. It certainly is, and of course, we'll be seeing them on next Tuesday for the Ian Askar Road to Pro Contender Series, round number four. A lot of things are going to be happening, but we'll look forward to covering it later on. But on that note, for Blake Majulis for joining us here on the show, for my co-host Justin Prince, our producer Wayne Owens, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download on the Speedsport Podcast Network presented by Crosley Radio and NASCAR Digital Media.